The fuck was that? It's horrible. Don't see that again. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Men in Black International. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. (laughs) 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 I'm Dave. (laughs) The good old days. Right, okay. Right, you ready? Three. No, we're not ready. No, we are not. No, we are not. Okay, right. Three? No, we're not. <laughs> Just do it. Just skip me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Just do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Men in Black International. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. <laughs> <laughs> He's Joel. I'm Dave. <laughs> and just like Men in Black International, we're expanding, which is a very apt <laughs> fucking hell. What the hell's wrong with everyone? <laughs> What is wrong with us? All this prepping time, we're just fucking oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Alright. I think you're trying not to laugh. It's more funny than laughing, to be honest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Men in Black International. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like Men in Black International, we're expanding, which is apt. Very apt, actually, because uh, it was our 100th episode last week, and we thought we would try and freshen up the format of the show a little bit. So we're going to try something new today. So do let us know once this episode has come out on Twitter or on Facebook or whatnot, whether you liked it or whether you didn't, you know, we'd be happy to hear your feedback nonetheless. Seriously, if you've never heard this show before, then strap yourselves in because we're about to push the red button. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there's a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including a caption contest, a quiz, some questionable impressions, some lovely xylophone playing, silly sound effects, and a lot of banter. So this week's film on trial, as I said before, is Men in Black International. Ozzy, I don't have an alien sound effect, so would you fill in, please? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That is, that is brilliant. I mean, I, I thought I was watching Men in Black again. That was just off the cuff. I was a little done. So, um, so, so Men in Black International, is it Roswell that ends well? Oh, nice. I like that. Or is it Lost in Space? Uh, so anyway, just to say that this will be a very, very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen Men in Black International yet, well, you can just listen to this episode after you've watched it. It is still on at the cinema at the moment, or you can just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week. It has been brought to you by me, which we will highlight in the comments section below. Now, before we go on, our last bonus episode on trial was Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Uh, Ozzy, sound effect. I choose you! <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Joel, you judged that trial. You deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, you've since gone away and watched that film. Do you agree with your verdict? Um, it's a tough one. I think I agree with what I said in that it's equal parts shit and hit. I think it would be deserved to be on either list, really. So it's one of those toss a coin ones. 
I think before we go on to the bulk of the show, it's time for a little bit of Alex's film feels. I'm glad that stayed through this revamping process. <laughs> <laughs> That's sticking great. Uh, so, Men in Black, lots of aliens in Men in Black. An easy one this week. What's your favourite alien in any film ever? Mm, uh, can we include Alien? Yes, you it's may. In the I, I, from saw, alien? I sort of assumed someone would, to be honest. Are okay. You, you, yeah. Is that oh, what you're going I, for? I think that is the ultimate alien. I mean, I think that is just, it's such a perfect blend of sci fi and horror. The fact that it's a little bit like Jaws and that you don't really see too much of the alien, uh, it's kind it's of true. hidden throughout the majority of it. So when it does appear, it's absolutely terrifying. We're talking about the alien in Alien, not like in the later films. Yeah, the Xenomorph. Yeah, 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 just the Xenomorph in the first alien. That's okay. not like, you know. Not a little dog in the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not quite the same. No, 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 no. And not the kind of bald, weird, uh, like kind of snake one in the Prometheus. Don't look at me like one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lovely. Dave? Uh, come back to me, I'm still thinking. I'm still okay. Ozzy, um, you got one? What about Marvin the Martian from Space Jam? Nice. Interesting yeah. choice. <laughs> that is very interesting. <laughs> also, shows the variety of aliens out there to go from Gav Zenomorph yeah. to, to Marvin the Martian. Also, the bad guys from Space Jam. Yeah. 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 All, all aliens. One yeah. from Space Jam. I mean, I, I th- when you think about it, how many deaths has Marvin the Martian caused? Quite a few, I think. I reckon probably just as much as the Xenomorph. Do you reckon? Yeah, if the, not more. Yes, the more horrific, I suppose. Yeah, because he's conscious, he knows what he's doing, whereas <laughs> the Xenomorph's like an animal. Yeah, in context as well, yeah, I guess it's more horrific the way he does it as well sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And he also, he, he makes a bit of a joke about it, Yeah, so he's laughing at your death. <laughs> Sick. Sick <laughs> bastard. Uh, Joel? Um, I was going to say Predator, but, you know, because of the amount of shit that he's also been attached That's to, true. it kind of it kind of weakens him. So I might go a little bit left field and go for something like... Um, like the aliens out of signs or something like that. I really like that oh, film. Okay. So don't really see them, but yeah, yeah, you don't see them, but that's why they're scary. That's true. Or you know they die or they run away because they're allergic to water and essentially earth is... five eighths of the. Uh, <laughs> I know they should have done the homework in that film. Attacking yeah. a species that's also made, made up out of water. water. <laughs> I know, I know, silly aliens. I'm going to say Lilu out of um, the Fifth Element. Oh, I thought you meant Lilu and Stitch. I did not. <laughs> I did not. And the other one's an alien, though. Um, yeah, I think I think she's a. It's a really good character. Interesting alien. Really, that is your favorite alien. That is my favorite alien. All right. Is Lilo, <laughs> an alien as well. What sorry? Is Lilo and Stitch an alien? Stitch, yes. Stitch is the alien. Yeah. Oh, wow. And my favourite alien is Stitch. <laughs> <laughs> nice how highbrow conversation on films. Yes. Like that. Yes. Thank you very much for that, Alex. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so on to the bulk of the show. Uh, this week's film, as mentioned before, is Men in Black International. Hang on. Yeah, another thing we've kept, though. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not sure about that one. I don't remember that. I about that. The news got cut, but that's... Keep the piano, right? Oh, man, you know, that, that, that xylophone playing, that is memorable stuff. That's stuff that you, you won't forget. For the wrong reasons, Bold. To be fair, I'd miss it if it was gone. <laughs> so, uh, as it's a bonus episode, this film hasn't been picked out of the hat at random, but rather it's been picked by ourselves here at Films on Trial. Uh, however, all of the roles have been picked out of random. So, acting as defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Dave and Ozzy. 
Now, Whoa. now, Aussie is uh, sorry. Aussie a bit like the porn. Uh, sorry, I misread that. It should just be Aussie just likes porn. Um, <laughs> and Dave is just like Liam Neeson. We used oh. to think he was great, but now uh, not so much. <laughs> wow, Liam Neeson. Really? I'd say it couldn't get any worse than that, but it probably will. The, descri- the description <laughs> could have been worse, though. That is true. That is true. <laughs> okay, and in the roles of prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Alex and myself. Now, I'm a bit like the Hive. I'm composed primarily of deadly gases, <laughs> and Alex is just like Nebel and the rest of the worms. He's loud. Irritating, bald, and chain smoking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for supporting me as I quit. <laughs> I, say, I thought he quit. And I also, he was doing it secretly whenever he came here so that his wife doesn't know. I give up. At least he doesn't listen, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't. I, th- I think in this day and age, I think the worms would probably be smoking vapes. Thanks, man. Yeah. So th- that's what I meant to okay. say, you know. Anyway, right, so uh, this week, uh, Joel has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. Now, Joel is a bit like Rafe Spall's agency. He's incredibly unlikable. Uh, now, Joel must... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it, I'm sorry. Uh, now, Joel must decide which list the film should be placed on the hit or the shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week. It has landed on Austin. So how would we like Austin to read out the synopsis? Mm, what about the worms? The the ones from the first film that are in this one as well? The coffee, you know? No, the, the, the vape smoking. <laughs> They're ones. <laughs> okay. I mean, should Ozzy be doing it? We've just heard Alex give the expert. <laughs> okay, so Ozzy. Okay. The man in black have always protected the earth from the scum of the universe. This new adventure they tackle a bigger threat to date. A mole in the men in black organization. Mm. Maybe that's a little bit too. No, I liked it. It was just enough. Just enough. It sounded like, you know, like when somebody's been through like a honey ice shrimp the kid scenario. And I, like really <laughs> I hate it when it happens. <laughs> so, without further hesitation, Joel, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Um, yeah, so uh, something that I want to know first off is how similar it is to the. Well, not just similar, but how it ties into the other Men in Black films. Do you need to have seen the other Men in Black films? Um, are they referenced, and does it kind of work in how they try to tie it all together? Um, so, prosecution, do you want to go first? I would love to go first. Um, this is a Men in Black film in in the title of it, and it's also got some of the you know they're in black suits, and there's some recognisable locations. But tonally, it's very different from Men in Black. You know, Men in Black was all about sort of like a clandestine organisation that, you know, that goes behind the scenes. It doesn't seem like this is at all in the film at all. It just, from the word go, they're just out there. They don't seem to be very good at the jobs. The whole of a population seems to be seeing what they're doing the entire time. But, you know, and they've got these recognisable little bits that sort of show that it's part of a Men in Black franchise. So, do you remember in the first film, which, if we're honest, is the only good film? Like, there's definitely been diminishing returns, and this is like off the cliff bad you know this is at the bottom of the ocean 
uh, this last one. But, you know, they had the silver guns and, you know, that's a really cool bit. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the gadgetry and everything like that. Well, that they just fired that out straight away and they've just pulling out these guns. And it, so, yeah, it's Men in Black, but it's not actually what you remember. It's not the suave Tommy Lee Jones. It's not the sort of, you haven't got this sort of uh, cypher character of um, uh, Will Smith to sort of like cling on to and find out a bit more about the world. So, yeah, I mean, technically it looks in some ways like a Men in Black film, but it doesn't feel like one at all in it. Are you saying in it as in like in it or in it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it can be sure. It can be both. I, I was kind of wondering that myself. <laughs> it can be both. Uh, I've got to disagree. I think it actually does tie in with the uh, the original film particularly well. It doesn't really tie in with the with the sequels two and three. But like Alex said, they weren't well received. Why would you really want to? But as far as the first one goes, there's a good little nod actually at one point in the film where you're in Liam Neeson's office. He he plays High T, who is essentially the head of MIB and london uh in his office he has paintings of significant events in men in black's history uh, basically points at which they've saved the earth <coughs> excuse me there's a point at the start of the film with liam neeson and chris hemsworth they where they make up one of those paintings they are saving the earth right at the start of the film the other one uh, that you notice is will smith and tommy lee jones fighting edgar which is uh, is part of Men in Black 1. So I think that's a nice little nod to the original films. But Alex is right. It does go down a very different route from the previous <laughs> Men in Black films. Whereas at first, you know, Alex mentioned the guns there, for example, which, yeah, the, the, when you first see them in Men in Black 1, that is kind of a big reveal. It's like, wow, the, this is some high-tech weaponry. We've not seen weaponry like this before. But even, you know, even the best sequel, we've seen this before. We have seen those guns before. The reveal isn't there. So they don't bother teasing you with it. They don't bother playing with that reveal. It's just like, you remember those guns? Well, here's, we've ramped it up to 10. Here's a better gun. Here's a bigger gun. And they ramp it up and they, and they do it straight away. There's no teasing. There's no reveal. It is just, these are the guns. You, you know the Men in Black universe. You've seen the original film. Let's just get you straight in at the deep end. But do we not think that like that's just a dangerous precedent? It's essentially just one up in itself constantly. If there's to be another Men in Black film, is there just going to be bigger guns, in more locations, nasty aliens? Potentially, yeah. But I do think we've got to remember that it's been I think it's been eight years since the last Men in Black film. Since Men in Black three, eight or nine years, I think it's been a while. I think you know there's a lot of kids that are going to see this film that don't really they're not that familiar with men in black they've not grown up with it in the same way so i think for this film this film being the resurgence and maybe uh hugging a new era for the men in black franchise they've gone big on this first installment and then maybe yeah they don't have to keep one up in themselves every film but for this one they've gone big yeah it's like a kind of uh, a, a daredevil <laughs> a bike rider who's just said fuck it you know what i mean i've only done like a four foot jump before but i'm gonna fucking whack 16 school buses in there <laughs> for the best go big or go home you've got to grab people's attention the franchise has been away for a while so they've got to grab people's attention out of the back Okay, so we're going to move on. No, Alex. Oh, sorry. Can I just say quickly? There's no way this franchise is moving on from this film. <laughs> this film put put one in the ear of this franchise on a cold, frosty morning. There's no way any more films are being made. It like literally has ended. I, I, think. I, I hear there could be uh, a Men in Black Five. Oh. I think it's uh, it's done well enough. Oh. So in in the um, original, obviously, like Will Smith was like an everyman, and they, they train him up to be like a an agent or whatever. How does um, Tessa Thompson come into this one? Is it very similar or is it different? 
Dave, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I'll take this one. Uh, can, it's got similarities, but it is very different. So she is very much the character. You know, uh, when you when you watch Men in Black 1, Tommy Lee Jones is already immersed in the world. You don't learn his backstory because his backstory's been wiped, essentially. Chris Hemsworth has that kind of role. Tessa Thompson's more like Will Smith. You get to see them in their life before they joined Men in Black and before their past was wiped. And she's got a bit of a backstory, similar to Will Smith's in that she encounters an alien before her time with Men in Black, but different as far as it happens to her when she was a child. Uh, there was uh, an alien that she rescued from what turned out to be Men in Black. You know, she kind of hid it in her bedroom and then set it loose, uh, which does become quite a big plot point later down the line. Um, but so, yeah, she she experienced it as a kid and then has basically spent most of her life trying to work out who who were those government agents, what branch of the US government do they work for. So she's intellectually brilliant. So she's applied for the FBI and said, you know, what about that other department that deals with, you know, the stuff that goes on upstairs in the skies? Uh, this said the same thing with the CIA. She's getting knocked back from all these jobs because she just wants to work for them. She's fascinated by them. So she was aware of Men in Black's existence as a child because the neuralizer didn't work on her as it worked on her parents, who had also seen the alien. Okay, can I just can I just say that like I think it's just a little bit lazy at that point. We know she's dead smart because when she's a kid, she falls asleep with a book by Stephen Hawking. And then also another lazy bit Dave mentioned about going to these government agencies and trying to apply herself and say, "What about the guys upstairs?" They tell that exact same joke back to back with like two different agencies, and it was like, if it didn't land the first time, we'll try it again. But I'll tell you what, it didn't land again. Well, maybe she thought, you know, they're not, they weren't CIA. Okay, tried that. Maybe they were FBI. You know, you're gonna you don't need to bring out new material for a different interview, but it's so. You get to, she's familiar with Men in Black before she joins Men in Black. She, in fact, actually puts herself forward uh, to join Men in Black, which is like, uh, as Emma Thompson says to her in the film, it's like, we don't hire, we recruit. So it's like, you don't find us, we find you sort of thing. But as it is, she found them, which is quite impressive in itself. So they decide to give her a shot. And so that's how she's kind of brought into the fold of Men in Black. Dave's making that sound a lot better, a lot better than it comes out on screen. Like a lot better. Fair, I mean, fair play to him. That that does sound like a decent way of doing it, but it just doesn't come across like that in the film. For just a, a minor point: when Tessa Thompson, this is what I'm talking about. How the Men in Black are just dropping the ball all the time. Tessa Thompson's dad is just downstairs one evening, and then an alien just crashes into the house. Uh, you know, and you no explanation whatsoever about why the alien got there. Um, but, but it's an alien. Aliens don't understand. It's yet, it's true, but yeah. it'd be good to know in, in as part of a story to know why the alien was there. But no one, no one knows. Fair play, fair Men play. Black come in to clean up after them. That's well, the whole they, well, well. You say that, right? But actually, uh, <laughs> they, they they go upstairs. They hear a crash. And they go, "There's an alien. There's an alien." The next thing is two MIB agents come up to the front of a house. Tessa Thompson looks over a window and her parents go out leaving their daughter by the way upstairs in the house with a potential alien you know that they've just seen the men in black agents turn up and say hey guys is there an alien in your house and they go um yeah i think yeah um oh no they say like no no and then um basically tessa thompson meets the alien they say hello and stuff like that and then the mib agents who've been like oh i don't think there is an alien just get in the car and go away (laughs) so really they drop the ball massively on this Yeah, if there's one thing that men in black agents should do is track down and hunt aliens just just go in the house and you you know what i mean imagine them them getting back to the office and just being like was there something that we forgot to do back there oh shit get the alien (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's like our entire job 
Yeah, for God's sake, come on. I'm waving my hand frantically over it. Yeah, I think you, you, that's not accurate at all. His dad encounters, uh, dad encounters the alien in the back garden, you know, and he doesn't know what it is. He's not like, shit, alien. It's just like that. What was that? Was that a raccoon? Was that some kind of creature? What, what, what did I just encounter there? He doesn't know what it was. When people come to the door, he's wondering if it's pest control or something like that. He just goes out to see them. He's not thinking that this animal's not broken into his house. It's not a threat to his family. It gets in somehow while he's outside chatting to the MIB agents, but he encountered it in the back garden. The fact that it snuck inside is just one of those things that happen. And it isn't a threat. It is cute as sin. It is not like, oh my God, that's a, a violent, deadly animal. I've got to get the, get the kids out from upstairs. It's like, no, that's actually no threat to anybody. Uh, and, and so far as where the alien came from, why would that be explained to us? It's like, oh, maybe that got away from that secret government base down the road. You know, you say you want them to be a clandestine organization and secretive. Maybe they can't explain everything, like, where did these aliens yeah, come from? I think basic, just let's find the alien. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not really bothered about where the alien came from. I'm really That's bothered about... That's what it like. Sounded like. <laughs> 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 about where this alien came from. Hey, listen. Why it wasn't a, like, you don't have to nitpick me. to jump in, man. The bits are the size of fucking hedgehogs, mate. <laughs> like I, I'm not bothered about where the alien came from. I'm about I'm, I'm I'm asked about where it went. You know, like essentially we're we're kind of shown this thing where she rescues this alien, and they have this moment where the alien's like, "Cheers, mate. I'll see you later. I'll play a pivotal role in the film later on." And you're like, "Oh, can't wait for him." But I was no, that's thinking, not actual dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just paraphrasing. But I, I was thinking like this alien's going to play a really big part. It's either going to grow up to be the big baddie in this film, and then it's going to you know just about to kill every body but then it'll realize it's tessa thompson and then go oh actually no i've got compassion because she saved me or you know this alien will help them defeat the baddie at some point later on in the film this this alien's going to play a pivotal role and it, it grows up to be some bodyguard to a, a minor supporting player and is in it for i'm gonna say about four minutes four if, to seven minutes maybe that. But it's enough chance for him to play a pivotal role in the side <laughs> of the film. They wouldn't have gotten the weapon back, the weapon which is basically the crux of the, the plot for this film. They wouldn't have gotten that back if he hadn't recognised Tessa Thompson from when they were both kids, essentially. And just been like, oh, I remember, I owed you one. Well, here you go. I'll help you Okay, out. so speaking of the plot, what's it like? Is it very basic or is it a little bit more layered? I mean... I suppose when you watch Men in Black, you don't really massively watch it for the plot, but at the same time, it's got to make some sort of sense. Yeah, the the plot isn't making much sense in this film at all. There seems to be some sort of... Um, like, like just to go back to, you know, before about how, like, in a lot of the first bit of the film is Tessa Thompson joining the Men in Black, and you think, all right, okay, this is going to be her sort of infiltrating it. It just sort of turns... She just sort of joins it. She has a conversation with Emma Thompson, and Emma Thompson's like, okay, you're in. Do you know what I mean? She's like, oh, no, I really want to be in. And Emma Thompson's like, okay, fair enough, you're in. And then the next thing is, she's getting suited up. She's got, there's no, like, learning curve for her. She just seems to be in it, and that's it. And then an awful lot of the plot of the film, right? And I don't know, Joel, did, did you like the first Men in Black film? Yeah. But okay. do you not remember the first you, Men in Black film where Will you, Smith just gets given the suit? <laughs> and then the as well? No, there's more to it. There's a big whole conversation where he's, he's thinking about, does he want to join? Anyway. Did you ever wonder when you were watching Men in Black, I'd really like to know about the internal office politics going on around here. Like, I wanted to see the water cooler, you know, coffee pot politics going on and see, you know, uh, is the backbiting of people sort of getting ahead? How do people get promoted in the Men in Black organisation? <laughs> then, yeah, this is the film for you. It's also the strange thing about this plot and is um it's called mib international and like that's an odd do you know what i mean that that sort of gave you pause to think at first international this is meant to be like mib intergalactic 
great. Do you know what I mean? Why do we need to see these locational because things of going to Marrakesh? I know it's a global thing, but why do I care about going to Marrakesh or that they're going to... I mean, it's meant to be... We're meant to be, like, looking quite macro at the entire universe, and it seems like, oh, wow, we're in Italy. Like, yeah, the Bonds did that in the 70s. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't need any more of it. Oh, well, it is Men in Black International. It's the very title of the film. And I think it is just, in previous installments, we've kind of seen Men in Black. Is it just another branch of the US government? You know, is it like the FBI or the CIA? And it's like, this answers that question for you. It's like, no, it's bigger than that. It is global. They don't answer to the US government any more than they answer to any other world government. It's just a global enterprise, as it were. Um, and what were, we, what were we talking about before we got onto the name International? Talking about Tessa Thompson and how she just the joins. How like she just joined, the, well, the backbiting politics. I didn't mind that. I know you had that, there was that good scene where Will Smith considers, do I want to join Men in Black? She's had that moment. She knows. She tracked them down, remember. It's a different kind of spin for her character. Um, so she's answered those questions in her head already. She doesn't, there's no, uh, nothing to consider. And as far as her training and things like that, we don't need another training montage. We, we saw enough of it with Will Smith in the first film. We don't need to know all the training she underwent, all the weapons training. We just got on, appreciate, yeah, she had the training. She's passed training. Now she's on probation as a field agent. That's all we need to know. I will remind you that in the first film, Will Smith was a decorated police officer. So, you know, even for the for him to experience all those kind of failings during the training process, that was quite surprising. And Tessa Thompson, who's had no, no yeah, experience. Yeah, she was reading Stephen uh, Hawkins. As yeah, that's true. True, yeah. yeah. That, so is, that, is, it, yeah. that is it. That's a characterization done. I, I will say one positive about it being international, and that is that, um, you know, far too often we don't see Greg's The Bakers in Hollywood blockbuster films. And I, <laughs> I was really happy to see it, to be honest. Not before time, I, right? I, I mean, I, it's just very refreshing. I'd love to see, like, you know... Paddy McGuinness in it as well. <laughs> I'd just love to see, like, an interrogation scene in, like, a Bond film where Blofeld just pauses one second to take a bit of a bite out of a <laughs> vegan sausage roll. <laughs> no way, Blofeld. You ruined it with the vegan bit as well. Okay, so, um, obviously... In the original, I'll keep harping back to it, but uh, comedy obviously plays a big part in in all of the Men in Black films, and the kind of, um, you know, back and forth between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones obviously works well, because Will Smith is the rookie and Tommy Lee Jones is, is the mentor type of thing, but in this one... I believe like Chris Hemsworth is kind of meant to be the one carrying the comedy and, and he is more of like the mentor role, which kind of sounds like a little bit of a strange um, kind of setup to have. Do you think the comedy works? Is it as funny as the original? Because, you know, in the original, I haven't seen it in absolute years, but I can still remember the bit mm. like where Will Smith's pissing about and Tommy Lee Jones gives him the tiny gun and he fires it and he flies backwards and that type of stuff. So there is memorable scenes in there, even if you didn't like the film. So do you think there's things like that in this film? Definitely. And I think it definitely calls back to the original, even though it does something slightly different. Chris Hemsworth isn't so much a mentor figure in this one. It's kind of a, it's 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 not just a, a carbon copy of the Agent J Agent K relationship from Men in Black One. In this one, Chris Hemsworth is an established field agent, a very good field agent, but he has been jaded by um, a mission that didn't go quite to plan. The, the one that starts off actually, even though they saved the world, he's still haunted by that mission a bit. So he's still a little jaded, as it were. Tessa Thompson is brilliant as an agent. You know, she excels in many ways. She may not have the experience on the on the field that he has but she's still brighter possibly brighter than he is smarter than he is she's read her books she's studied for this she knows more than he does so in kind of, it, it's not really a mentor mentee kind of relationship it is sort of they got the guy in the field who's excellent physical agent and you got the 
Tessa Thompson, who knows the theory behind the field. And between the two of them, they make a very well-balanced team, essentially. And as far as the characters go, it's the charm of the two characters. We know that Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson work well together thanks to the Thor films. You know, and everyone, that's in people's minds when they go in to see this. They remember that relationship, that working camaraderie between Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. And they bring that back in droves for this film. It was, there's even a little nod. To, to Thor in it actually join the fight with the bodyguard that Gav mentioned before he does pick up a hammer just like a mason's hammer but it is kind of a good little nod back, back to Marvel and at the end of the day that's what people are thinking of that's the only nod they do to Marvel I've got to say but it's what people are thinking of it's like that's where I saw Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth first time around the chemistry worked then the chemistry still works now I would argue that it pretty much is the same two characters from the first film but instead of um, Agent K and Agent J being sort of button heads they just want a bone so that's pretty- yeah that's pretty yeah. I didn't get I don't think so I, I didn't get that I'll be honest with you important think, question do they bone they don't no, they no, don't there is, it's, it's left for it to be continued will they bone okay. you can have you know you can have two characters in, in this and they don't need to have a sexual chemistry well, there's definitely a sexual chemistry there's a couple so. of undertones a couple of flirts at the end yeah, come yeah. on that's very undertones, but nothing yeah. too mega, me, magic I, I would rather like they a, just keep that out and just have you know yeah. two colleagues working together would have been better. which essentially was how it ends right this film isn't funny is what is you know you're saying the first film's funny this film isn't funny Dave skirted around that issue a lot but you can't I, get I actually forgot to mention it you, can, <laughs> you cannot get around the fact that this film is not funny it doesn't have any and, and you can get someone like Chris Hemsworth and uh, Tessa Thompson if I'm honest Chris Hemsworth looks like he was contractually obliged to do this film which I would be very surprised if he wasn't and looks a little bit dead in the eye during this and to be honest reminding us of Thor Ragnarok made that much worse you know don't remind us of a funny film when you're doing a painfully unfunny <laughs> film like this one it, uh, and then like, but the thing is you can get the best actors in the world and I love Tessa Thompson and I love Chris Hemsworth and I think they could both do those roles really well but if you don't give them anything funny to say they won't be funny and this is where the biggest thing problem with the film is the script it is horrific all the way through it there's no funny interplay between the characters Rafe Spall and um Chris Hemsworth you know there's this the office backbiting things that was clearly someone was thinking oh yeah we'll just get those two playing off each other they'll be sort of like you know bit bitchy behind each other and they'll have some good one-liners like in a Marvel film I think that's what they were going for there did not work they did the script was awful in this film i haven't seen a worse script in a film since dark phoenix about a week ago (laughs) (laughs) if i could just say i did genuinely forget to mention the comedy side of things and i do think it's quite a funny script i think it's well written without regard and i think it's funny and i wouldn't say that you're relying on chris hemsworth and tessa thompson to provide the laughs they are your pivotal characters i think it's left to more the sidekick characters like kumail Kumail nanjiani who plays pawnee who is essentially um he's the last of his species uh they haven't been wiped out by the film's bad guys uh he's discovered and he swears allegiance to them to help them and what have you and he provides a lot of the laughs you know he's adorable he's funny at times it could have been annoying it could have been annoying if it, with the hands uh, in the hands of a, a less accomplished voice actor it could have been much more annoying than he was as it was i think it worked and there was some good funny lines in there there is something else i forgot to mention before as well alex was talking about who wants to see like the, the coffee pot politics of men in black it's not quite like that. There's a, the, one of the key points of the plot is the mole. There is a mole in MIB. We don't know who it is. And there's a lot of backbiting. There's a lot of, I've never liked you. I bet it's you. And it's like, well, no, you've never liked me. I bet it's you. So there is, it's not just vying for promotion and this kind of backbiting for the sake of backbiting. It is a, a key plot point. But can I just ask a genuine question? Did anybody 
at any point think that the mole was anybody other than Liam Neeson? No. <laughs> no. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, that was, that for me, that was so obvious yeah. from the very right opening the scene. But is, is that because you're 32 years old, you're a cynical guy who's been watching films since you're four or five, you know, films that are way beyond your age range since you were a little kid. You've seen films like I'm this pretty before. sure a dog is... who was watching that film would have guessed it was Liam Neeson. I mean, I mean, you can't, can't prove that. I will. It's aimed at kids. It's aimed at ten to year olds. They, they could get that. I think that's the point. They're meant to get it. I feel like I'm starting to question my life choices now. Okay, get it. But you know, it's not. It's not aimed at 32 year old men. I don't know. I do think it keeps you guessing because. I think it does keep you guessing because you've got Rafe Spall's character who is just there to wind up Chris Hemsworth, basically. So you are thinking, oh, it, it could be him. You know, if they're unimaginative, it could be him. It wasn't. Or you're thinking it could be Chris Hemsworth. People who knew him years ago are saying something's changed in him. He's not the man he was. You know, there's, there's a dark side to him now. It could have, it theoretically could have been nah, Chris Hemsworth. It was never going to be him, was he? It could have been. It okay, so, been. so you guessing. M- moving on, obviously, the other men in black films as well all have big kind of guns, basically, and uh, alien fights. CGI, that type of thing. How is has it moved on since those films? Is it is it better? Is it worse? It just does the classic old thing of this is a sequel, so let's smash more of the stuff that people liked straight away. So you know, I was mentioning about the silver guns, like that at this end of the first film. You know, it's really good. They both finally get out the big guns and they bring down the ship. Makes sense. They need those big guns. It all works. In this one, they just throw out, throwing out these gadgets and guns just willy nilly, like straight from the start. There's a really weird sequence where they're pulling the guns out of the car, and it, and it's almost like you're watching these sequences, thinking, "Oh, this this could have worked, but it's not." working now and i don't know why so chris hemsworth just keeps making bigger and bigger guns so he's fighting these two guys and he must go through about eight or nine different guns but again it's not funny there's no little there's no little play between the characters there's no point in it and so yeah the 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 action actually where they're using it as well is just in a street in london that just looks like a set so the 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 effect the guns are having isn't very good The, the biggest effect that a gun a gun happens is is pretty spectacular but also stupidest like it's just the stupidest thing ever like they they get this alien weapon right they steal it they have it they, f- no, no, they, they don't steal, they steal it. it. Oh no, no. She's, she's giving it. Sorry, she, it is. It is hard to remember this film. Even it's not that hard ago. to remember. Like, so she, she's, she's. They get this little rock or whatever, and it turns into this what looks like a super weapon. You pick it up. I'm not a alien expert, but I could tell. Shit me, that looks like a super, super weapon. Tessa Thompson, who's been in Men in Black for about um, a day, a day yeah. maybe maybe half a day, uh, goes, <laughs> I read Stephen Hawking when I was little, and I know that in the middle of this weapon, there are thermonuclear explosions, that this has the power of a star in it. Once again, this is not actual dialogue. <laughs> Alex is yeah. embellishing but, this considerably. But, I prefer but, Gap's dialogue. <laughs> but it's basically true. That, you know, it, it is, it's the power of a star in a gun. Yeah. David. Yes, it's essentially yeah, okay. what she comes so to. The they say they come to. Yeah, they say that's fine. Let's fire it. <laughs> <laughs> like, and you kind of like, I beg your pardon. You're gonna, you're gonna fire the super gun that has the power of a star. And it's like, yeah, yeah. But let's be careful. Let's put it on the lowest setting. And they basically create a new Grand Canyon in the middle of the Gobi Desert. I think and it's no just, one is hurt. No one is hurt because it's in a desert. But it's just like this is so irresponsible yeah, why? of the men in black. You cannot imagine Agent J O K just being like, fire that bad boy up and just fire it at the ground. <laughs> yeah, like this. Be fun. <laughs> if if I may, yes, it is. It, if you look at it with the eyes of, of logic, yes, that is a stupid thing.
thing to do. In reality, he wouldn't do that. But this is a kid's sci-fi film. You know, it's meant to be entertainment. How annoying, how annoying would it be if someone was like, here's this amazing weapon. It's got the power of a star. We've harnessed the power of a star into this super destructive weapon. Whoa. Put that down. Put that away. Not going to see that for the rest of the film. Not fire it. You must be give, having a laugh. Give, no way. Give it to the you villain. Want to see get the use. villain to fire it. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. But then and then you can in, show the power in, in, of the like film. Mass destruction. You get to see it without anyone being hurt. You know, you get to experience the awesome power of the weapon without it being disastrous and without it being like, wow, the heroes mm. failed big time. Hey kids, if you stumble across your dad's power tools, don't put them down to one side. Just use them. Have a laugh. Go on. <laughs> put them on the lower setting. That's and a half. bit unfair. It's not a power tool. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a weapon. Weaponized stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. If you find one of them lying around, kids, good crazy. for you. Do what you want. <laughs> I, will, I will add as well that we keep on mentioning the fact that it's a kids' film. I don't know if it is. I don't know it is. Because, yeah, there's a lot of the violence of some of some of the things that happened. I don't think it was. Yeah, definitely oh, kids. it's not particularly violent. I wouldn't say. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it was specifically a kids' film. Otherwise, why would you tag it on to the Men in Black franchise? It, for, for me, it reminds me a little bit like Star Star Wars. So obviously, you know, yeah, Star. Well, no, no, but the thing is, is, is that Star Wars, it's got an already established fan base of, you know, like 30, 40 odd years, as has Men in Black. But it's not like kind of, it's tailored towards any age can enjoy it, but it's more specifically towards Star Wars fans. Whereas with this, I think it's like, okay, this is for the Men in Black fans, but we'll make it more appealing to yeah. everybody else. So the main core of the fan base that they want to please for me is Men in Black. So like our, our age, I think. But you've got to win over new fans. Like I say, this franchise has been away for a while. This is their comeback. And that's why they've got to bring the new fans in. That's why they've got to appease the new people, the people who may not have grown up with Men in Black. They've got to appeal to two sides of the audience. And I think they do it. So in the end, then, is well, I was going to say in the end, does it end good? But that's <laughs> terrible English. This sentence it, <laughs> so uh, you know, every Men in Black film has a big set piece at the end. Does this one? Is this one the same? Like, does it end well? Basically, does it? All the plot points are they all tied off. Does it set up a sequel? Um, and are you kind of you know? Sometimes you watch a film. And it tries to set up a sequel, and even though it was shit, you're like, they're just blatantly trying to get more money here. You're left with that type of feeling. Or... I, I think it loses steam pretty much halfway through. I think that they, they, they do all these little um, whodunits, essentially. So you know that there's a mole in Men in Black. You're trying to figure out who that is. You've got these two bad guys, as I mentioned before, the Hive. They're this sort of like gaseous alien that can take the form of anybody that they want to. So they choose to take the form of some guy that they, they made it. And th- th- he is, well, th- these two guys are essentially trying to get this, this weapon, this weaponized star from Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. And they finally track them down on this Island in Naples where, you know, the bodyguards uh, is, is, is there and they, they're about to attack them and they're about to get the weapon. And then they say something along, along the lines of like, um, Oh yeah, um, we're going to defend our planet. We're, yeah, like, we're, we're going to defend. defend us. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, like Chris Hemsworth says, we're just trying to defend our planet. And then the the bad guys say, oh, so so are we. And then they all get shot by the Men in Black, who are just they just come out of the bushes. Men in Black, you don't know that they're there. They're just like, oh yeah, we got here just in time. We killed the bad guys, and that's it. And you're like, hang on. So the the bad guys, the two people that they've been fighting against the entire film, are actually good guys. They were just trying to get the star to defend their their. 
their planet against the actual hive. They actually weren't the hive. And then do you think I they had a split second before they vaporised? I've just thinking. got to correct that they were never referred to as the hive, those two aliens. They referred to it, I forget what the species was. We always knew what the hive was. That yeah, was but they thought they'd been infected by yeah, the hive. Yeah, they thought they'd been infected by the hive, and then it turned out later that they, they, were, they were lying. Because Liam Neeson said at the beginning, oh, they've been infected by the hive. And then when they go to find out later on, they go to check that. They say, hang on, didn't Liam Neeson say that these, are, these fuckers are infected by the hive? Oh, well, guess what? Yeah. Liam Neeson's a villain. And, and Liam Neeson had deleted the file with that information on and they're like oh we'll have to just take his word for it I said the mole had been playing them from inside I thought that was quite a good plot point you know the bad guys that you thought were your bad guys turned out not to be (laughs) but the thing is is that like so so we two are arguing about a point that's actually dealt with within the film no 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 and now the men in black are baddies because they've killed the goodies my my issue was my my issue was is that these two baddies are supposed to be goodies in the end and they're like oh actually no they're the good guys but actually no those two they committed atrocities they <laughs> yeah. murdered people they, they eliminated an entire species from the face of the air I, I don't think it was as black and white as they're the good guys they're the bad guys it's like they're not your bad guys but they're just out for themselves they're just kind of they're not your threat that you perceive them to be they're kind of set up to be the bad guys by the mole in many, okay Liam Neeson we've now established <laughs> that one's out but it's not they are never set up as your bad guys the hive that is the bad guy of this film and yes it is a big climactic battle at the end just to wrap that one up all the plot points are tied up and with regards to a sequel it could live without one it's tied up quite nicely a nice little package you wouldn't need a sequel but, but they can go for one if it does well enough exists. here's the thing you've got to remember here Joel right <laughs> explosions big guns <laughs> constant action what type of action that's your filming exactly. good action it's the problem is the film the ending isn't good and I kind of agree with Dave I wouldn't say that there's like plot holes in this film particularly but I'd say the plot's so confused and I'd say you're so sort of disinterested by the lack of acting or the the lack of good script the lack of really good any sequences that by the end you're barely really paying attention to the film and you just kind of you're bored so anything any the final ending when they wrap up and it's like I am the bad guy says Liam Neeson who you figured out within five minutes was the bad guy and then when it's all wrapped up, it's like, well, I didn't really care anyway, to be honest, because my attention was not kept. So there's, I wouldn't say there's like a big climactic battle sequence. They're on the top of the Eiffel Tower, and there's a little bit of fighting, but it's not nothing like a ship being shot down out of space and then a big cockroach fight. Nothing, nothing like that at all. In fact, I wouldn't say there's any real fight fantastic action all the way through this film. Well, you've got the hive coming through a wormhole. Yeah. It turns out that Gustav Eiffel was one of the first uh, men in black, and he designed the Eiffel Tower as a, a wormhole portal, basically. So you've got the hive coming in through the top of the Eiffel Tower. It's pretty clever. It's, it's pretty big. You, you know, it's, you, it's your equivalent of Edgar's spaceship being shot down you don't at the end of the first one. You don't really see what the hive look like, apart from one guy. <laughs> the hive has said this is billion things. This is one dude. Yeah, but you only see the Candyman for 12 minutes in Candyman <laughs> It's <laughs> a good comparison. Yeah, but okay. I, I, yeah, I th- th- think what they're saying there is is uh, they fire it through the wormhole. They fire the, the weaponized star through the wormhole and, and that kills everyone. But one, one point that I, that really fucked me off was that throughout the film, um, so the reason that they go to Naples and the reason that you know they have to get the weapon back is because it gets stolen off them and it gets sold to a weapons dealer, an intergalactic weapons dealer who is has got in a, like sort of an island castle uh, in Naples and. This entire time you told the Chris Hemsworth H, 
he had a relationship with this intergalactic weapons dealer. Like, so they used to they used to go out, and uh, everybody's mentioning it. And it's, Tessa Thompson throughout is kind of looking at Chris Hemsworth like he's some sort of really like progressive figure. It's like, oh, this guy doesn't see a different species. This guy doesn't see a different alien race. This guy's just happy to sleep with it because he, he's in love. Uh, it's nothing to do with looks. It's a, to do with attraction. So I was very interested to see what this alien would look like. I was thinking, oh, wow, this would be really interesting, this. And then when we finally seen the, the alien, it's essentially just a person, but with a third arm that is hidden behind a cape for like 90% of the film. I, I <laughs> never I never thought there was ever any interest in, oh, he's, he's dated outside his species. That's fascinating. Oh, no, that it was kind of, I think the look that she gave him was more like, you dated one of the most dangerous arms dealers in mm. the galaxy. You're a man in black age and what are you playing at? That was more the, the vibe I got from it. I never thought there was any... Any Two other types sort of people. Context, Two right? types of people. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, finally, and just a quick one. Uh, we always touch on the performances. So, how do all the actors and the actresses do here? I, I mean, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson have both been, you know, well received in all their other films. Well, not all of them, but uh, at least <laughs> the, their most. most recent ones. Yeah. Oh, no, they, they, the two of them are charming. They they really do work well together, and I think, you know, they go and go on. I mean, Chris Hemsworth, I'd say his career is pretty much, he's he's on the crest of his wave right now. Tessa Thompson's still rising. There's still big things to come from her, and hopefully this will be a good stepping stone as far as that career goes. And I think, you know, you've got some good supporting uh, actors as well. The weapons dealer that Gav just mentioned is Rebecca Ferguson, uh, who we've seen in Greatest Showman and such things. You've got uh, Emma Thompson, who plays Agent O, who's the head of MIB, I suppose the international branch. He's head of the New York branch, like Rip Torn was in the first one. It suggested that she oversees the international branches as well. And you got Rafe Spall, who's a fantastic actor, always good in most things. You've got, you got a, a decent, solid cast, to be honest with you. It's one that you can build a franchise on. It's a decent cast, but they don't do a very good job. And they can't do it a very good job because they're not given anything funny or witty or interesting or insightful to say. The script is non-existent. It is just awful all the way through and Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth you're just wishing you were watching Thor Ragnarok do all, all the way through this and that's the bad thing like you're just watching a film thinking like god they were so good in Thor Ragnarok and they're still good here it's, it's a real testament to their acting that they come out of this and you still like them because honestly this film could have ruined people like it, it is that bad uh, th- but there's no interplay between their characters you're not interested in them at all and it's just meh all the way through because they don't have anything to say Okay. Met in, yeah. <laughs> in black. That is a better title for the film. Yeah. So, here's a question for everyone. What would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. oh no. Would you rather watch Super Mario Brothers or Men in Black International? Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Men in Black International. Men Dave. In black International. Dave. Are, they, are these honest answers? Honest answers. Honest to God, I love Super Mario. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think I've got everything they, I need. So, sorry, there's a better script in Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> At least they all got pissed as well and had a good exactly. time filming it. Uh, so, Gav, have you got a quiz for us? I do have a quiz for you. Um, so, this is... It's, we were watching Men in Black International. It's all about... Aliens. So mm. this is a quiz I like to call Alien Wacky Races. I'm just going to list out a number of alien races, and you guys are going to tell me what film the alien race is from. So I want you to all come up with a buzzer. Go on, Ozzy, you got your alien noise again? <laughs> <laughs> right, I want you to use That's these buzzers, buzzer. right? Okay. <laughs> Joel, what's your buzzer? Uh, okay, Alex. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Right, you need to use these. Or, they are all or, very similar, though. Yeah. There's going to be some confusion. Right, okay, so first one up. The Bald Chinians. 
<laughs> Alex? The Coneheads? No. Ball, Chinians. Star Trek? No. Come on, it's very close to home what we're doing here. Aston. Men in Black 2. Yes, Men in Black 2. Well done, oh that man. God. Yeah. Well done. Little did they know that they would unleash the horrific nightmare that was movie 43. <laughs> <laughs> this is my... Anyway, uh, no. <laughs> number two, the Na'vi. Ah! Alex. Avatar. <laughs> well done, yes. Avatar. I would have also accepted Pocahontas in space. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, number three, Vogons. Oh, shit. The what? Vogons. <laughs> Star Trek. Ah! Alex. Galaxy Quest. Oh, no, no. Uh, Galaxy is in the title, though. Austin. Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, no. How many of the Galaxy films? Guardians of the Galaxy 2? No. All right, I'll just tell you. The Hitchhiker's Guide oh, to the Galaxy. Oh, damn it. I know. Uh, number three, The Symbiotes. <laughs> Alex. Prometheus. No. Uh, well done, Joel. I would have also accepted Spider-Man 3. Uh, number five, Flora Colossus. Flora Colossus. Okay, here's a hint. Somebody has already said this Prometheus. answer. No. And uh, minus, <laughs> minus points for the buzzer. Gal- Alex? Galaxy Quest? No. <laughs> galaxy. It's going into the galaxy. Galaxy, galaxy 2. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, technically, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Groot, essentially. That's, that's Groot's name. Uh, okay, so number six, Silos. So the, 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 cy- oh, sorry, sorry, the Cyclos. The Cyclos. Oh Okay, uh, this film was essentially an advert for Scientology. Mm. Which probably is why we've not seen it. (laughs) (laughs) One of the worst films ever made, starring... Oh, uh, man! Dave? Battlefield Earth. Yes, well done. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you guys about the... I had a little... I had like an afternoon free after a meeting in London and... uh, you joined Scientology. The <laughs> the just for fun. And now they send me letters constantly. <laughs> and I don't remember giving them my address. So. <laughs> to be honest, mate, to be honest, like if I was a Scientologist and I was trying to recruit people and I saw you walking down the street, I'd be <laughs> like, like, he's recruited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's already in it. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, okay, uh, number eight. Oh, sorry, no, number seven. Palipqua. Uh, Palipqua. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Austin? Um... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the one with the guns and the aliens where you shoot them. And Men in Black. Aliens. No. No. Come on. Uh, okay, right. Uh, Their the nickname is the Prawns. Oh, yeah. It's the same. Oh. <laughs> what, what is it, Austin? Oh, fuck. Meh. <laughs> Um, District 13. Oh, nearly. District 9. Yes, well done. <laughs> okay, number eight, Mimics. Joel. Yeah. That is uh, the day after tomorrow. No, the edge of tomorrow. Yes, edge oh, of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Mimic. I would have I would have preferred to have seen them in the day after tomorrow. To be uh, okay, number nine, the harvesters, or their nickname, the locusts. Oh, uh, uh, Starship Troopers. No, and you should buzzer. <laughs> Signs. No. Okay, this is another alien film with Will Smith. Oh, uh, Independence Day. Okay, yeah. No buzzer though, so you should. Uh, no buzzer. Yeah, no buzzer. I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering my buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, number ten, Thermians. Now, this is one that has been said twice already. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Go- Galaxy Quest. Yes, well done, yeah! Alex. <laughs> Finally. They keep saying it, I'll get it right. <laughs> uh, number 11, Bioraptors. Bioraptors. <sighs> Dinosaurs in space. No. Uh, it's what we would be sat in if I hadn't installed my new light. What? Darkness. Dark. Into darkness. Pitch black. Yeah, well done, Joel. Use your buzzer, though. Fuck <laughs> um, my buzzer. N- number 12, the Arachnids. As Starship Troopers. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's good. You he's know what? Good. I'm, I'm going to scrap the buzzer now. That's what I'm <laughs> scrap the buzzer. Okay. Um, number 13. Um, 
as Azogians. Azogians. I think that's how you pronounce it. Superman. No, I don't think you're ever going to get this one. Um, apparently, it's the, uh, okay, right? Um, it's what you would do if you wanted to make a long distance call. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Check my bank account. <laughs> Reverse charges. <laughs> um, if, you, if, if you were a long distance away from uh, your house, you would <laughs> use my mobile phone. No, uh, it's e- ET extra stress. Oh I would ET. <laughs> phone home. That's what you're going to say. But it is an easy one for Alex, especially the Borg. <laughs> the Star Trek first con? No, what? I can't yeah, remember what it was. Yeah, first contact? Yeah, yeah, well done, yeah. Mm. Okay, the next one is the Cybertronians. 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 Uh, okay, uh, uh, you need another clue for this one. Okay, it's awful film franchise um, made from a beloved cartoon of the 80s. It was one of my most upsetting moments of oh, Transformers. Transformers. Well done, Dave. Yeah, and the last buzzer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I'm scrapping the buzzer. I'm, I'm scrapping the buzzer. I'm sorry. And the last one is Martians. I know there's been several, but I'm after one specific. Mars Attacks. Yes, well done, Alex. I think Alex won that one hands down. Yeah, but I was looking for Mars Attacks. You should have read my mind and known that was the answer I was looking for. I know. I knew. I read you. In fact, I'm going to deduct points from Marsu. <laughs> okay, thanks for that quiz, Gav. It was actually better than your normal standard. Oh, why don't you uh, go and fuck yourself? <laughs> you've, you've been taken down to no points now. <laughs> Doesn't matter anyway. You owe me points, actually. You're on minus. <laughs> okay, well, um, you know, the, the last few uh, films that I've judged, I've, I've actually had a reasonably difficult time in picking. They've always been quite down the middle but this film just sounds shit to be fair <laughs> so it, it's not really with much regret that it's going on the shit list oh good one Joel you will not you will be happy <sighs> okay thank you very much for that Joel um, honest opinions I suppose I mean it's just objective fact that the film is shit it really is if you watch it it's just shit okay well uh, that's your opinion no it's not <laughs> my opinion is that you're right <laughs> uh, Dave uh, my opinion is also that you are right this film is god awful absolutely god awful I mean I went to watch it with Dave when we went to that Odeon Lux with the with the little tables that you can pull over and recline at one point I didn't want to bring it up in the argument Dave was just playing with his table yeah it was, it was way more fun than watching the film yeah. I feel honest. like I missed out guys I totally missed that one on that trip oh, yeah. D- yeah. D- Dave got up and went to the toilet and both Alex and I were surprised that he came back <laughs> I was too I thought about it do you think you'll watch it Joel? Um, no you know, I mean I will watch it to tick the box reviews, there's loads of great reviews Austin what did there. you think of it? I haven't seen it that's why I was so quiet <laughs> <laughs> I was so quiet for the entire film I just thought you know what am I going to do all I can do is just character assassinate you <laughs> just was, leapt in that was pretty much my, my goal just to just, just put just, the boot in every now and again yeah. Yeah, if I can just make you guys sound like you don't know what you're talking about, that, that was the guy. That's backing up. Yeah. <laughs> right, so it was a higher or lower than our previous bonus episode I filmed on trial, which was Pokemon Detective Pikachu, which scored 52 out of 100 on Metacritic. It's got to be lower. It's, it's got to be lower. Going to go lower. I'm lower. You say like 23 or something like that. Yeah, okay, everyone's lower. going lower, yeah. 38 out of 100, you're all right, yeah. Well well done, everyone. I have a fucking prize, why don't you? Anyway, right, um, so once again, I put a poll up on Twitter and asked our friends and followers which list Men in Black International should be placed on. A whopping 68% of listeners decided that it should be placed on the shit list. So, Ooh. looks like you did the right thing there, Joel, maybe. 
And uh, before we adjourn the case, I think it's time for a little caption contest. So what I do here is I take a screenshot of the film and I put it on Twitter and ask our friends and followers to provide a caption with the funniest one winning a frog-shaped chocolatey treat. Okay, so the, the caption this time, or, or the, the, the um, image is Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth's agents H&M. Uh, surprised nobody mentions H&M as well. I mean, no, I, yeah. <laughs> I really yeah. I, I, I clicked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that could have been a joke that they would have used if there was a script. <laughs> um, but uh, So it's both of them pointing their weapons quite angrily at somebody or something off screen. So number one is alternative timeline of the MCU. Mm-hmm. number two is stop in the name of Asgard oh crap where am I again <laughs> and number three is you will not board our franchise Johnny Depp <laughs> <laughs> and that's it that's it so uh, one of those three I'll go for Depp Depp, Depp. Depp. Okay, well, congratulations to After Midnight Podcast at Pod After Midnight you've just won yourselves uh, Freddo so did Johnny Depp try and join Men in Black today? No, but I just think every franchise should be screaming that at this moment. <laughs> um, what like Liam Neeson in, but won't have Johnny Well, if this was before. Yeah, I think this, this was, was before, yeah, yeah, I think this was before. A long time in. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think Tessa don't Thompson think would be have been able to that. act as well as she did alongside Liam Neeson if this yeah, would have been yeah. before, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, after. Um, okay, so, uh, well, our next film on trial has been picked already and it is going to be John Wick chapter 2 okay, sorry I guess that doesn't really help the film either does it because you know you, you're like meant to not know that Liam yeah. Neeson's a complete shit all the way through yeah, the film yeah. but these days when you watch a film you're just like oh yeah I suppose that's something he's really good at now like kind <laughs> yeah. of pretending that he's a nice guy and then finding out he's a bit of a shit <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Character assassination. Uh, okay, so our next is film... Is still an assassination if it's He assassinated himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so much assassinated, but like just voluntarily jumped off a building. Um, okay, so our next film on trial is going to be John Wick Chapter 2. Okay, and the roles for that have been picked out at random. So in the roles of defence and trying to get that film placed on the hit list are going to be Joel and Brucey. In the roles of prosecution and trying to get it placed on the shit list are going to be myself and Dave which means that Austin you are going to be playing the judge that week excellent so we just wanted to say thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode please remember to like share and subscribe tell all your friends tell all your family just remember not to neuralize them afterwards I, I said it right that time before when I was practicing I said neutralize and I think that means murder them so uh, don't do that either uh, just spread the warm love that is films on trial in as many years as possible and remember to follow us on Twitter at Film Trials, and check out our fantastic graphic artist at Winston Sang, <laughs> at the underscore quirks. Also check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also just r- let us know what you think of this episode with the new format. Do you like it? Do you like it or not? You know, send us a message on Instagram or uh, Twitter or any of the social media platforms. But that's it, everyone. We have judged Men in Black International and it is a shit. And we will be in your ears next week with John Wick Chapter 2. Goodbye.